Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, hey there, everybody. This is week two of a four-week series that we're calling Alter Ego. And I want to begin by talking about this word, alter. If you notice, altar is spelled A-L-T-A-R. This is an altar. And if you know anything about Bible history, you know that back in the Old Testament days, an altar was a place where people would lay down or sacrifice something meaningful before God. And then an ego is who we think we are. Unfortunately, many of us have an inaccurate view of ourselves. We think too highly of ourselves or we think too lowly of ourselves. And so we don't really know who we're supposed to be. And so the goal of this series, what we're going to try to do is to sacrifice who we think we are. We're going to lay down certain characteristics of our ego at the altar of God so that we can become who God says we are. Now, last week, we talked about laying down our feelings of inadequacy. And we learned that God's view of you is different than you think. God has given you more than you think, and it's really less about you than you think. Well, today, what we're going to talk about is laying down our need for control, and I want all of us to play along here, okay? So are you with me? How many of you, in at least some area of your life, you really want to be in control? Would you raise your hand and keep them up high? Okay. If you're tempted to raise the hand of the person next to you, take really good notes this morning. This message is specifically for you. (laughs) But it's interesting to me how everybody I know seems to want to control at least some portion of life. And what's also interesting is there are certain pockets where we're really control freaks. And then there are other areas, eh, maybe not so much. So for example, maybe you're very controlling at work. Right? You want everything to be just the way you want it to be. But then at home, you're pretty laid back. And you may be sitting next to someone who's the exact opposite. At home, man, it's my way or die. And then at work, they're pretty relaxed. Or maybe it's your finances and you just need to control your finances. you got to know where every single penny is going. But then when it comes to your children, eh, you kind of let them do their thing. You don't try to influence too much. And so there are these areas where we're really controlling and then other areas, not so much. You know, growing up, my mom was rather laid back when it came to parenting. It may be because I was the last of four children. By that time, she was like, nah, whatever, right? <laughs> but she literally drank and smoked throughout my whole pregnancy, right? the pregnancy she had me. And, and she, she'd go, like, they'd go out bowling. She'd hire any old babysitter, right? Charles Manson, whoever, just come on over. Or worse, she'd leave me with my brothers, <laughs> assume that was okay. <laughs> now on the brighter side, she would like let me eat candy for dinner if I wanted to, right? My friends were jealous, wow, what a cool mom. But she really didn't have big time mom or parenting control issues. But where control was a big deal to her, ooh, a clean house, okay? Especially her kitchen, oh dear Jesus, okay? <laughs> she had more laws than the Pharisees. They had 613. <laughs> I mean, she had laws for every portion of the kitchen. I'm not kidding you. Everything had to be spotless, no crumb left behind. She was like the kitchen Nazi. 
And so I learned from a young age to be very neat and organized. And I don't know what it is for you, but I know that we all have control issues. A lot of times for men, it's the remote controller. Am I right, guys? <laughs> yeah, amen. There's only one person in our house ordained by God to operate that very important piece of spiritual machinery. Yours truly, the divine remote controller of the universe. <laughs> Because as every guy knows, it's not about what's on as much as what could be on. Right, guys? <laughs> and so we can sincerely watch 12 to 14 shows at the same time. It's just a God-given gift to those who are chosen. Right? But it's fascinating to me how we really do get riled up about certain things and in other areas, eh, okay. And when it comes to control, if you look at your life, you can basically break down control into two broad categories. We try to control people or we try to control circumstances. <laughs> So first of all, we try to control people. You, there, there may be somebody in your life and there's like one or two things about them that you just don't like. And so you're going, you know, God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> and you want to help them see what you see so you can get them to do what, you know, they should be doing, right? <clears throat> and so you manipulate, you bribe, you offer rewards, you withhold rewards, you use passive aggressive behavior, you might even threaten and without even knowing it, we so often manipulate others because we really know what's best for them. And we want to control. And it, it could be your coworkers, could be your employees, could be your children, could be your spouse, but we want to be in control. Second, we try to control the circumstances. Oh, we, we gotta look just right. You know, our houses have to be perfect. You know, we want our kids when they go out in public to be the perfect representation of us in every way. You know, we want to control our schedules and our future and the schedules of those we love. We want to control what other people think about us. And so we try to control people and we try to control circumstances. And why is it that we are so desperate for control? Well, it's because our egos are out of control. Because we really believe we know what's best. In our circumstances, we're kind of godlike, right? We so know the right thing to do. We feel like it's our right to enforce what should happen. Ken Blanchard said that ego, E-G-O, stands for edging God out. Ooh, edging God out. I so know the right thing to do that I'm going to force it and not trust God. In fact, those of you who are control freaks, you have a theme verse. It's Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. And I'm going to give it to you in the CFV translation. Okay, this is how your theme verse goes. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him, and you will make your path straight. That is the CFE, the control freak version, right? <laughs> some of you are going, that sounds pretty good to me, pretty reasonable. Let me read you the real translation from the Bible. <laughs> the real translation says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. You know, what's really interesting to me is that the more we try to control, the more we fear losing control. And then the more we fear losing control, the more we try to keep control, and suddenly we spiral into a cycle of fear. And some of you right now, you're going, well, I sure hope so-and-so is listening to this message. They need it so much. And the challenge with control is it's very difficult to see in a mirror. It's hard for us to see our own need for control because we legitimately think we know what's best, but we're edging God out. And so what I want to do today is to show you an example of control gone bad. And then I'm going to toss out three questions that you can take with you and apply for the rest of your life. 
So let me begin by sharing an Old Testament story of two characters who were originally named Abram and Sarai. Their names were later changed to Abraham and Sarah. And they had a tremendous problem like many of us do with wanting to control the outcome of certain situations. In fact, there's an episode earlier in their life where Abram's concerned about Sarai's safety, thinking some men might do something inappropriate to her. But rather than trusting her to God, Abraham takes control and lies and says, well, she's really just my sister. Okay, the results were not good. But the big example, though, is when God says to them, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be the parents of many nations. You're going to have so many descendants, it's going to be more than the sand on the seashore, more than the stars in the sky. And so God told this childless couple who for decades were trying to bear children, you're going to give birth, and there's going to be many nations born from you. What an incredible promise. But when God didn't immediately do what he promised, over time, Abraham and Sarah, they did what many of us do. And they tried to take control of their own destiny. They stepped over God's promise. We see this in Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. In other words, I know God promised, but... He's not doing it in my timing, so I'm going to take control because I know what's best. I'm going to edge God out. All right, two things to remember from this story. Two things to never forget. Number one, whatever you do, never, ever, ever sleep with a woman named Hagar, okay? (laughs) Number two, don't break rule number one. Abram broke both of those rules. (laughs) This is what the story says. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When they edged God out, it's impossible right now for me to describe to you the chaos that taking control created. Not just in their lives, but for centuries and centuries to come. If you read on this in the story, Hagar gives birth to a son, Ishmael. Then sometime later, God delivered on his promise. Abraham and Sarah, they have a son, Isaac. And it's impossible to describe the kind of tension that existed between Sarah and Hagar, between Ishmael and Isaac. And here we are centuries later, And the descendants of Ishmael, the Palestinians, are still at war with the descendants of Isaac, the Jews. So you've got Muhammad from the lineage of Ishmael, and then you've got Isaac, the Jews, and the Christians. You see all this world chaos and bloodshed, and it all traces back to when one couple took control and edged God out. Now, chances are you're thinking, okay, I understand that, but I'm not going to sleep with my maidservant, Hagar. I don't even have a maidservant. No, but what you might do is, I don't know, you might be a single lady and the clock is ticking and you love Jesus and you want to marry a Christian man, but there is no Christian man available. And so you say, well, you know, this guy here, he'll do. I'll try to make this work. And so you force something, you manipulate it, you compromise, you settle for less than God's best. You're going to take control and edge God out. 
Or maybe financially, you're a strong follower of Jesus. You know you should be given to God and his work, but you kind of rationalize, you compromise, you take control and say, well, we'll do that when we get out of debt or we just won't do it at all. And so you take what really belongs to God and you edge God out. Or you want something really badly that you know you can't afford, so you manipulate, you find a way to borrow, and you make a very poor long-term decision for a short-term benefit. Because you're going to edge God out and get it one way or the other. Well, here's the big application question that I want you to ask yourself. And I want everybody in here to participate, okay? This is really, really important. Be very honest. I want you to write something down on your notes, okay? If you don't want to write it down, you can think it in your head. But this is super important. Confess this to your small group if you're in one. Share it with those you love. Here's the question. What are you trying to control? What are you trying to control? Is it people? You know, maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your grown children. Maybe you're trying to control the way your grown children parent your grandchildren because they're not doing it right, okay? Or, or maybe it's your self-image. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's what other people think about you. I want you to go ahead and write down something. Write down in your notes, what am I trying to control, okay? Or you can sit there and say, no, this is a stupid exercise. This is dumb, not gonna do it. Not gonna write anything down. I don't even like this. I'm not gonna do it. Okay, that's fine. Very good. You stay in control and prove my point, okay? Fine with me. But what is it that you're trying to control? And then once you identify this in your life, I wanna give you three questions that you can ask over and over and over again that I really believe will help you to learn to lay down at the altar whatever it is you're trying to control and trust God with it. First question we're gonna ask is this. Is it worth my concern? Okay, say that out loud with me. Is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? It's a great story in the Bible. Many of you probably know it. Jesus is over at the home of Mary and Martha. And Martha, she's trying to control stuff that really doesn't matter that much. And she wants everything to be perfect, right? She's kind of freaking out. She finally says, Jesus, Tell my sister Mary to help out. She's lazy. She's not doing anything. And, and oh, I want things to be perfect because you're here, Jesus. And listen to what Jesus says. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. The bottom line, this isn't worth getting upset about. Is it worth my concern? So often because of our inflated egos, we get all worked up about stuff that doesn't matter that much, that a month from now, it's not gonna matter one lick. And so I wanna ask you, does it really truly matter if somebody doesn't fold the towels just right? No. I just set someone's future free. I can feel it. I can feel it in this room right now. No, it's not. Does it really matter? Does it really truly matter if your grade school kid goes off to school and his hair is not combed perfectly? Is that gonna affect his chances of getting into Harvard one day? Is it gonna send him to jail or hell or both? Does it really matter? No. Guys, does it really matter that your wife comes home and leaves trash in your perfect car? Some of you are going, well, Pastor Brian, that does truly matter. <laughs> no, does it really matter? Get, get your panties out of your, uh, loosen up, okay, <clears throat> all right? Loosen up. It's not worth getting upset about. Is it worth my concern? Everybody say that with me on three. One, two, three. Is it worth my concern? 
So often the answer is no. Second question, is it mine to control? And everybody say, is it mine to control? Now, sometimes the answer is going to be yes. It's yours to control. There's something you can do about it. Sometimes the answer is going to be no. Because surrendering control, it's not the same thing as relinquishing responsibility. Those are two different things. You should still be responsible when you can. So, for example, if, if you're messed up financially, should you cut back on your spending? Absolutely. Is there something you can do about it? Absolutely. You can learn to budget. You can get a mentor. You can cut up those credit cards. You can do something about it. There's something that you can do, and you need to take control, and you need to do that. You know, maybe it's some other area of your life. Maybe it's your marriage. Is your marriage messed up? You say, well, is there anything I can do about it? Absolutely. Right? You can initiate counseling. You can go on date nights. You can maybe join a small group so that others can speak into your life and speak into your marriage. You can start praying with your partner. Is there something you can do about it? Yes, there is. Or, or maybe you're a single guy. You haven't been on a date in like seven years, okay? Do you just trust God with that? Well, yes, but also do something, right? Go somewhere, get involved in church, take a bath for God's sake, right? <laughs> Brush your teeth, put on deodorant. I don't know, sell your Xbox, Okay. Get out of your house. Go somewhere. Right? Have a life. Smile at girls. Ask them on a date. I don't know. Is there something you can do about that? Yes, there's something you can do about that. But then there are other areas that you just cannot control. So ask this question, is it mine to control? And there's sometimes the answer is going to be, nope, nothing I can do here. A lot of times the answer is going to be, no, can't control this. In James 4, God very clearly shows us that oftentimes in life, we have no control whatsoever over certain things. And so James says to all of us control freaks, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Okay, he's saying, so you think that you can iron out everything, you can plan out everything so you know exactly what's gonna happen? Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. I mean, you don't even control tomorrow. How do you think you have a chance at controlling a year from now? So first you ask the question, is it worth my concern? Then is it mine to control? And then finally you ask, is this for God alone? Because if it's not yours to control, it's for God alone. Is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? Or is it for God alone? Ask those questions over and over and over again. The Apostle Paul told the Philippians something very powerful in Philippians 4, 6 to 7. He said, do not be anxious about what? Anything. How many of you are anxious about something? Would you just raise your hand for me? Okay. See, when you're anxious, you're trying to control something that's not yours to control. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There it is. You give it to God. You trusted God, you lay it down at his altar. And then guess what happens? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this. In other words, when you're trying to control stuff that's not yours to control, you'll be anxious. When you lay it down at the altar of God, he'll give you peace. 
But so many of us, because of our inflated egos, we're trying to control stuff that really belongs to God. So we're stressed, we're worried, we're consumed with fear. But the moment we give it to God, he'll give us his peace. Some application questions, just real quick here. And then you can just shout out yes or no. First one is this, can you change your spouse? <laughs> okay, for some of you here, it's not a trick question. No is the correct answer. Well, I think I can, I've been trying. <sighs> Good luck with that, buddy. No, you, you can love your spouse. You can pray for your spouse. You can encourage your spouse. You can't change your spouse. So, so what do you do if your spouse needs changing? Well, you pray, you, you encourage, you, you love them, and then you trust them to God. You stop trying to control and you give it to God. Can you heal someone you love who's sick? Can you, can you do that? No. Can God do that? Yeah. What can you do? Well, you can love them. You can pray for them. You can encourage them to get good medical advice. And then you trust them to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can you control your future or the future of your children, or the future of those you love, right? Can you do that? No. What can you do? You can plan. You can pray. You can give wise counsel. You can make wise decisions. Does God control the future of those you love? Absolutely, he does. So you give up control, and you give it to God. As we close here, I want you to think for a minute about Abraham. What did Abraham want more than anything else in the world? A son. And what did God give him? A son. And then what did God ask him to sacrifice? His son. Maybe you haven't been around church long. You don't know the story. God promised him a son. God blessed him with a son. And then God said to him, now come and lay your son down at the altar. Crazy, I know, mind-boggling. And so this father who for decades and decades had prayed for a son tells his son, son, we're going up to the top of Mount Moriah and we're gonna make a sacrifice. And the boy is carrying the wood. They're walking up the mountain, maybe hand in hand. And finally the son says, dad, where's the animal for this sacrifice? And this father who loves his son more than anything in the world says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. So you've got this guy who's always tried to control everything. And now he's walking up this mountain. He gets up there, he, he builds the altar, he puts his son on it, he raises a knife to sacrifice his son, and an angel says, don't lay a hand on him. I see that you trust God. And Abraham looks up, and there in the bush is a ram, right by the spot of the sacrifice. This is what Genesis twenty-two thirteen says. Abraham went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. When Abe finally stopped edging God out and surrendered what he valued the most, he saw the miraculous provision of God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guarded his heart and his mind. I came to tell somebody today, you're trying to control something that's not yours to control. And when you try to control things that aren't yours to control, you end up anxious. But when you lay down what really belongs to God at his altar, you'll begin to understand God as Jehovah Jireh, which means he is our provider. God will provide everything you need if you stop edging him out. 
Instead, take whatever it is you think you want and lay it down at his altar so that God can give you what you truly need. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as I reflect on this message, I recognize that for so, so many years, and it's still, there's still a thread of it in my life, but I've tried to control, control, control. It's my nature. But then I open up your word, and from beginning to end, you say, let it go. We come to you by faith, and faith alone, that's nothing we can do, nothing we can control. It's a free gift. And we've got to trust you. We have to trust our salvation, our future to you. We can't control that. And then the whole of the Christian life really is lived by faith, moment by moment. So I pray for all my brothers and sisters here that they would take seriously the need to ask this question, what am I trying to control? And then to ask, is it really worth my concern? Because so, so often it's not. Is it mine to control? And if it is, I pray that they do something about it. Get help. Seek counseling. Get your finances straight, whatever it may be. But then there's the question, is it for God alone? And so often, so much of life is out of our control. And in those areas, what we can do is we we can love, we can pray. But at the end of the day, We just have to trust. We have to give those people or those circumstances over to you. We have to bring them to your altar and sacrifice them to you and say, God, I'm giving this to you. And when we do, that peace that passes all understanding will just flood over us. So God, I pray that we would begin this process. Maybe it's one area at a time of laying down our ego at your altar and trusting you with these things. It's in Jesus' name.